I feel, we'll say, I feel invited by some of my friends to join the screaming. And I don't agree with everything that's going on out there. So, you know, I could, I could get into the screaming, but my overwhelming feeling is actually profound sadness because what I feel from all that screaming is actually people feeling unseen and unheard and alone. And that is, I, that feels just like crushingly sad to me. Out of doubt, and I and I and I feel, I feel as a as former teacher, I would see students who would come to class, who almost would have turned feelings off. Like when I say turn them off, is like, hey, how you doing this morning? Nothing. All right, okay, mm. all right, well, go ahead, you know. Um, hey, go ahead and take out your work, and whether it's anger or not, or feeling anything, you would just see this like disconnectedness from just being in their own body and and i would say or sometimes i have a kid show anger so great you're showing anger okay i'm like well, why are you yelling at me like i'm not your enemy i'm not i only asked you to take out your book like why why are you now and because they have a disconnected more parts of their emotions they only have a reserve for a few left so if in our community weakness and sadness and fear and worry and doubt are not allowed, but anger is allowed. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you can't be like, Mr. Branch, leave me alone. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. You gotta be mm. like, stop bothering me. So you gotta like yeah. lash out with anger because anger is respected. Being overwhelmed is not respected. Being worried or afraid or sad or whatever other emotion is not respected. But if I'm angry, people will be like, oh, he's, he's scary. We better leave him alone, right? Even though that's fear, not necessarily respect, but in some communities, fear looks like respect. Taking off the Mass Podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Uh, today's guest is Newton Chang. Uh, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a professional powerlifter, uh, a national champion powerlifter at that. And he has been really sharing some really powerful messages on LinkedIn that I'm really thankful for, and which is why we're having this conversation today. In his conversation today, you're going to hear him reflect on that original post that kind of really connected us. But he had been seeing our work with the mask you live in back since 2015. I'm really glad that it has been that video, that documentary has given him some fuel over this journey to share his words with others, to share some of his truth with others, you know. In this conversation, we got to talk about our masks, about work, about leadership, about being responsible for people and projects and things that matter. In this Million Mask Movement, as you know, we've been inviting people around the world to make masks. It's been really great to meet new men in my life who are kindred spirits, who are passionate about this work as well. You know, if we walk by each other on the street, if I saw him in the gym just powerlifting, I probably wouldn't have known that we could sit down and have a conversation about emotions and feelings and and those type of things. But it's because what we get stuck believing we see on the outside. I hope that these conversations will give 
more people opportunity to find people in their life that they're willing to ask more questions to, go deeper with, to help them see, to know that they're not alone. I think it's so important to this work. I invite you that if you know somebody in your life who you think could benefit from these conversations, maybe you share the podcast with them. Maybe you invite them to be on the show. Tell them about the podcast. Tell me about them. Let me introduce them. Let me invite them. Because I think that what we want to do is to, in this next series of these podcasts, is to invite more men, young men, old men, all age men to conversations, to intergenerational conversations around why we do and why we operate the way we operate. That's going to be this next season. And so we want you to be a part of this. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that on YouTube. If you'd like to watch it, if you want to listen on podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, please give us a rating, like rank, it, like it, support it. What do you call it? Subscribe to it. <laughs> I forgot the other word. I was looking for like, uh, give us a stars or something like you know what i'm saying like here's what i'm asking you to do i'm asking you to get involved if you find value here please help somebody else find value here and if there's something you want to see that we're not doing yet please let us know you know we're open to ideas and thinking about how we structure the next hundred episodes of this show thank you for being a part of what we're doing so far and we look forward to the next steps as we move towards a million masks, that we get closer to 11, 11, 24, we are excited about the work that is going out into the world. So thank you. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. And we ask that um, if you are inspired by this work, please go ahead and make your mask. And maybe you invite one friend to make a mask also. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Newton Chang. I really, we started the conversation before the podcast even got recorded, but you will, we pick up on most of the topics and um, I hope that you will find somebody in your life. If you're feeling any of the feelings that we shared, that you find somebody who you can talk to. Um, and if not, you can make your mask anonymously and recognize that you're not alone. Take care, everybody. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Be well. Newton, hello. It is so good to see you. And uh, thank you for being on the Taking Off of the Mask podcast. How are you? Uh, I am very good. It is awesome to see you. Um, you know, I, I think we met. I can't remember how we met, actually. But your name has come up so many times of like, do you know Ashanti Branch? He's amazing. And then I'll say the one thing that uh, you did for me that lives with me and has kind of been a, a critical part of my journey is you were in the documentary, The Mask You Live In. And the aha for me, like no one had ever explained to me that men were socialized to turn all our feelings into pretty much just anger. Yeah. And then when, when I heard you talk about that, my head pretty much exploded. I'm like, I only experienced two emotions, happiness and anger. Th that, was like, that was a big wake up call for me. So I, I've been slowly unpacking that box since that, that was like, what, back in 2015? Yeah. So, so you've out, been yeah. with me for the last seven years, unpacking the box with your words. Uh, I'm really grateful. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad you saw it. I, I, this is that's where this came from, this this work, right? This mm -hmm. providing those young men in that room an opportunity to, to express their mask. And I didn't even know it was going to work, you know? Like, what we get to do today is an evolution of that room at Fremont High School in Oakland, California. And, 
you know, I actually gave them a mask. I didn't ask them. To, I just asked them to write some words, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad. I'm really glad that that that, that spoke to you because it's been a labor of love in this last, you know, since the documentary came out. That's when it came out. You know, we um, recorded maybe a year before that. So it's just been a journey of like talking to people all the t- everyone who stops and listen. I'm going to tell them about the mask, you know, and we appreciate you and what you do. It's it's really important especially today. Well, I appreciate you, man. And thanks for being willing to be on this conversation, you know. Um, how about this? Will you introduce yourself to folks? I want them to hear from you what you want them to know about you. And then um, and then we're going to jump in. And I think we were t- we were talking for a few minutes even before we started. And then I was like, wait, have we started? We haven't even, we, we already had started before we started. So I'm really glad that uh, it's. I think it's going to be a beautiful conversation. So I would l- let folks know who you are and what you want them to know about you. All right. Uh, My name is Newton Chang. I am a husband and father to two daughters via adoption. I'm a competitive athlete, so I'm a national and world champion master's powerlifter. And then I am a leader at Google, where I oversee our health and performance programs. And we speak to provide spaces and services, both physical and, and now digital, now that we're in the hybrid environment, to tend to not just the physical, but also mental, social, and spiritual health of our Google community. And I say Google community because it's primarily our Google employees, but we know we're all interconnected. So we need to think about families. We need to think about our local communities. And uh, that's not an easy thing to address, uh, but it's worth taking on. Man, and, and, and thank you for having that platform and being willing to share. You know, I think when I first started to like engage with your work was via LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what date it was, but I remember what it made me feel. Right? I don't remember what the words were. I just know it was like a man being open and clear and, and as clear as you were able to be in that that pose, but it was heartfelt, right? And as yeah. a person who feels a lot, feels feels more than I somehow want to feel. <laughs> I was I was I was feeling it. And I was like, oh and I just replied. I said, man, thank you for you know, I, in essence, I was just like appreciating you and just like thanking you for being willing to let other people see you full more fully. Right. I think that's what we try to do with our young men in our work is like you're human and there's more to you than you're letting people see. How much more are you, could you find room to let people see you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe uh, I'll, I'll give a little context on that LinkedIn post for your listeners. So back in January 2022, I went on mental health leave. Um, I was I was burnt out. The pandemic was tough. Well, at least that's why I thought I went on on leave for burnout. And then once I got to spend some time with myself, my thoughts, my therapist, uh, what I saw was the pandemic was just an accelerant. Um, I have uh, when we get into the masks, uh, there you'll see a bit of a contrast. I've, I've recently come to realize, even though I'm pretty Zen and or I come across as Zen and I show as someone with mastery in my emotions, like you, I think I have a lot more feelings than I think. And I'm realizing, actually, I think I'm a pretty sensitive person. And a lot of that had been bottled up. And so a good friend of mine from the powerlifting community, uh, Ross Lepola, he's, he's an amazing lifter and coach, but he's also an amazing man who's trying to show uh, what it looks like to, for men to go on a self-healing journey. And he gave me space on his podcast to share my story of where I had been going into burnout and what I learned along the way. And so what happened next was, you know, we did the podcast. I said, 
you know, if I want to do good, I should put it out there. So I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram. And then my wife and and a friend of mine said, well, shouldn't you put it on LinkedIn? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so we, we went back and forth. And then when I thought about it, and I started to look around and see, especially for, for my, we'll say, referent group, are there Asian male leaders, straight Asian male leaders in tech who are being vulnerable about mental health? I found a few, but really not very many. And so I, I took a deep breath. I wrote up a post. I hit post on LinkedIn. And the response was way bigger than what I got on Instagram or Facebook. And then and, and the, the, the offline response of people reaching out to me directly or via direct messages to say, I feel this way, or my brother feels this way, and he doesn't have someone to talk to. It, it was it was overwhelming. So then I did it again, and the response was great. And I did it again, and the response is great. So I'm going to keep doing it um, so that more people can see this. More people might consider maybe they could show up different. Maybe they could get help. Maybe they could get the support they need um, because we all re- really, really need that right now. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that part, right, to get help. And I think I grew up in a community where you're not supposed to ask for help. You're definitely not supposed to need help. And you better not be fear and worry and sad. You better be tough, strong. You better all these like it was really clear, and it, and it wasn't written on a wall anywhere. It wasn't in a manual. It was societal pressure that was constantly and almost always in your face. Like, like I remember being in elementary school having a fight. Didn't my first day at a new school? I didn't want to fight. I was so happy. Kids were playing tag at this school. They had grass at this school. I was like, what? First day fight. Not because I wanted to, but because the, the rules were, you can let this kid keep picking on you. It's never going to stop. If you mm. tell the teacher, you're going to get worse because you're going to be a, like, it was like, I mean, I'm a fourth grader knowing the rules of my society and community and have a fight the first day of a new school. You look like the kid who's like bringing trouble. And I wasn't even, yeah. I was not looking for trouble. I was looking to play tag with some friends, new friends. Yeah. And I think that that pressure starts with young people when they're really young. When they become old, they just get programmed into the old behaviors. And yeah. when do you find a space to like be like, oh, that doesn't serve me anymore? That yeah, that le- the way I was, the way I was raised, the way I was believing, it doesn't serve me anymore. That's that's uh, I don't know. It 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 makes me pretty sad to think about, you know, you as a fourth grader, um, you know, there, you're you were there to play, you were there to be a kid, and to thrust you into something like that is um, that's pretty traumatic. I mean, it happens. I think it happens a lot with our our young people. You know, I was talking, yeah. talking about young men and boys, but it happens to a lot of kids, right? Who have to feel the pressure of what people expect them to do, be, have, hopefully, mm-hmm. and realize that they they're not they don't feel like enough, and so you're constantly in a chase for trying to be who other people need you to be, which is a moving target all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I, I also think like I I've noticed this. I think it's a coping strategy I have about myself is. You look generation to generation and you go, well, it, it's better than it was when I was a kid. And and then I, I, I dismiss it. And yeah. now that I, uh, you know, have two daughters, it, it's, it's gotten very, very real. And, and I have to say, like, well, maybe it's better, but is it what you want? Yeah. And the answer in so many situations is no. Um, so, you know, we, we have work to do. We have work to do. 
Well, man, I'm excited. I mean, I, I, folks, you know, this, this podcast, it changes, right? Sometimes we jump right into the mass. Sometimes there's a conversation buildup. Um, you as our guest, you get to decide, do you want me to go first with the mask or do you want to go first? Um, and then you, one of us will share the front and then we'll, we'll alternate who shares the other front. Um, why don't I go first? Okay. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I think I used to have a fear of public speaking. So something I, I trained into myself as a, as a kid, like, well, first my parents made me do speech team, which actually I thank them for because one, once you understand how to do verbal communication, especially to large groups and yeah. you see people can't do it, you're like, oh, this is just unfair. Like I have a superpower now. So that, that's, that's a big thank you to mom and dad. Awesome, um, awesome. so so now I'm going to jump in and go first because okay. uh, that's trained into me. Well, you, so, just do, you do the front and then um, I'll do the front. Or you can do front and back. However, however you want to do it, we'll do it. We'll follow you. I'll follow your lead. Let's, uh, let's do front and then you do front. Okay, fantastic. All right. Uh, okay, yeah, I think we can see that. So this is my Zen face. You can see the sun shining down on me. So even if there's cloud and there's thunderstorm, somehow I will look like this. And if the sun's not shining down on me, I will emanate the sun back into the sky. Or at least that's what I will try to do. And so my three words are kind. So I, I think that's, you know, that's genuinely me. But I think I, you know, also try to project that optimistic. And I think that goes into not just uh, how I lead, but how I cope. Mm -hmm. And then Zen. So I'm very conscious of my presence and how that affects others. And so I know like if I can project Zen, then I can gift you with Zen or you might be able to feel my Zen. And so this is, this is Zen Newton. We beautiful, beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> oh man. All right. Well, this, I'm not sure what I was drawing today, but it's, <laughs> let's see what happens. Um, I found this new pencil that I really like. So, this is the mask. I, I was thinking, like, if I was going to do eyes, like, I don't know, anyway, there's, there's some expression there happening. Uh, that's how it's happening today. And I put funny, serious, and dedicated. Mm. And I think today, I mean, oftentimes I've been really writing, a, uh, trying to find new words, right? Because I've been making a lot of these. But I, caring is usually one that, when I first heard it, I'm like, yeah, I, I feel that. I want to be putting that. Um, but today, funny series dedicated has been where it is, right? Like, I, I dance between the trying to be, trying to keep things light and funny because I love to laugh. I enjoy laughing uh, and very serious. And like with the young people I work with, like, sometimes serious takes over, right? Mm. And every once in a while, I'll drop a little joke in there and they'll miss the joke because I've been so serious for so long that they're like, should I laugh at that? <laughs> like, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you a joke here, right? Um, but I think that serious. I'm not sure why funny is first where I wrote it because I think I want to be the funny person, fun all the time. But because I have, and it's really connected to the back, right? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm really dedicated to like push things forward, right? To like work really hard. Uh, hard working is one also. So I think dedicated and serious, like connected to this idea that I gotta, I gotta get stuff done, like, and. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it may be connected to why I don't rest enough, right? Mm. Like I'm, I'm constantly on go, like go, 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 go. Yeah. And, uh, and I think 
maybe sometimes I think, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe I think that the funny is trying to like, that's my rest moment from the serious and the dedicated work that I have to get done. Um, but I do know ultimately that um, it's not enough. It has not been enough. And so now yeah. I'm finally starting to become aware that I need to be giving myself more time to decompress from all the serious and dedicated work to then be back on on, on task, on target. It's what the dreams I have, you know? Do you, on the serious, like that, that resonates with me where I, I, I think I always try to inject humor, but then I'm also trying to give weight to like the mission of what we're working on. And it's important. And I think that message is kind of for people around me, but it's, it's also back to me because sometimes I feel weary or I think, is this working or does anyone care? And so I need to hear that message over and over and over. And uh, it can it can override other messages sometimes. Oh, man, without a doubt. And I think what I've done in, on, in error is like in my mind, sometimes trying to keep things light and funny and is that I'm telling people I'm trying to correct behavior. I'm, I'm you know, when you're a leader. You have to correct things that are not going the way they should go. And so I'm like, hey, you know, I really want you to work on X, Y, Z. And I'm saying it in such a light, trying to be light because, you know, I have a presence that sometimes it's a little bit, I have a big presence. I'm a big person, right? But also I have a big voice and I'm loud. And so I try to like keep it light, but then the message gets missed. Like, mm. and then three three months later, I'm like, hey, you know, we talked about this a couple of months ago and, and they didn't catch that I was being serious. Like, mm. And so I, I did a disservice to them because I was trying to, dance between serious and being lev and levity and being yeah. kind. And I, I think I heard Brene Brown says clear is kind. And sometimes I'm trying to be so kind that I'm not being really clear and therefore it creates a conflict, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's an art to that. You know, I, I, I experienced it, you know, as, as a leader trying to flex like that. And then, the example I, I saw where it just blew my mind was when Dave Chappelle did that piece at his his farm on George Floyd. Yeah. And to see him flex between humor to one of the most horrifying things many of us have ever seen and go back and forth yeah. and weave it together. Mm. I'm like, okay, there's there's a whole other level to this. I mean, he's he's about a thousand levels above where I am in communication right now. But yeah. um yeah, I, I I resonate with that struggle. Oh, that's so powerful. And I, I, I'm going to go back and watch that again because I, I remember watching it and I was like, I mean, I got goosebumps even thinking about it again. Like the time that he had it at the right, the, I think it was called the number of minutes that that man was on his neck, you know, like mm -hmm. just the power of that, of, of the power of being able to convey a message with clarity and i think that's a beautiful point the levity and the seriousness right the, yeah. the humor and the intensity of of our words you know yeah yeah, yeah. such such a mm. that's a high wire act of you know the the greatest difficulty that's right that's right especially in a, in a society is for him where anything he says out of somebody's view of alignment of what it should say can cause his career to have some repercussions right Yes. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking to that many people when someone when I post a video, but I I would hope that I'm not trying to I'm not definitely I'm never trying to do harm. But somebody mm -hmm. can always take your words and spin them to a way that makes it seem like you are right. 
And then I have to be careful not to suck into that because I'm chasing other people's thoughts and feelings all the time, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, mm. I relate to that. Wow. Okay. Well, that was just the front. That was just the front. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, we already started. I feel like we started peeking towards the back already. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, you're, you're, you're first. You're, well, you already started. So now it's on you, the yeah. back. Okay. I, I think I'll, I'll, before I go to my back, I think I'll, I'll okay. connect a dot where, you know, we, we started peeking towards the back already. And the thing that I've started learning is that, um, you know, the, the concept of shadow, mm. uh, you know, everything's a double-edged sword. So, you know, the, the front and back are inextricably connected. Yeah. yeah. And so like one of the most profound things I heard, uh, recently was there's a, a podcast called the one you feed, mm. um, where they bring in a lot of experts on mindfulness and they always start the conversation with this question of there's this parable about in, inside all of us, there are two wolves. There's one that goes towards light and good and the other that goes towards anger and dark. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, th- someone asks, well, which one wins? And the answer is the one you feed. Yeah. And so then they ask, well, how do you react to that? And then everyone says, you know, feed the, the wolf of light, except for one person who said, well, I think you feed them both because it gets really, really hard to tell which wolf is which. So you feed them both, but you feed them both with compassion. Mm. And so that's that's what I've been doing. So I'm going to go into the back of my mask, and okay. I've been I've been feeding this back of the mask compassion, and it's I think it's Ooh. getting better. Okay, I'm looking for all right. All right. So um, the reason I had to take like an hour before this is, you know, when I started to make the mask, you know, I just wanted to jump to angry and overwhelmed. It's like the really easy stuff to identify. And then I started asking a little bit more like, well, why? Like, why are you angry? Like, what's in there? And then it started to get a I had to have a, a pretty hard conversation with myself. And so um, I'll start first with resentful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, I'm a people pleaser, like for good reasons, because I want to take care of others, and then bad reasons, because I think I'm seeking love and acceptance. And so I will uh, give beyond what I should in order to get that. At some point I start to get weary. I get overwhelmed. I start to get resentful where I'm like, okay, I've given a lot. Like everyone, can you please back off me? But I don't have the skills to, to lay down that boundary. Uh, I'm working on it, but that's, that's something that I am just realizing like now, like I have not built that skill in my life. So it starts out with resentment. Then, you know, having a, a sense of radical, personal responsibility, the next voice goes, hey, this is all your fault. Like you built this situation. You had control over it. So who whose fault is this? And so it goes to self-judgment. And then from the self-judgment, it's like, okay, well, you better fix this. Like you better make it better. And so the voice in my head, it doubles down. It starts pushing. And and this is where I see there's kind of like maybe two or, or, you know, separate parts of my brain, there's like, you know, the the person cracking the whip going, go, go, go. Mm. And then there's this smaller part of me that's just, it's just perpetually weary that says, all right, I got to go. Like there's more to be done. I would really like to rest, but no one wants to hear it. And so when I interrogated myself, I'm like, what does that feel like? 
like the first, well, the word that came to me was alone. And I had to sit with that because I'm like, I don't, any given moment of the day, I don't feel lonely. But then I asked myself, is there a part of you that feels lonely? And it felt like it gave that part of my brain permission to say like 100% yes. Thank you for naming that. And so there's, there's, there's someone in there, like inside me, who's doing the work, who feels really lonely and unseen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I resonate with those. <laughs> I resonate yeah. with those. And I, I was thinking about, the, <laughs> I was thinking about the resentful. And when you started there and, um, and lonely, I think, Hmm. So I'm, I'm going to weave this into the back. I'm going to, before I just start talking, cause I, I get it. Hmm. Okay. Here we go. Let me, let me, so I wrote it like this. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you. Thank you again. Because um, as I'm probably trying to describe this, like those could have been mine for today. Like, and I think I've been processing them a lot, those, those words. And the ones I wrote for today were, I wrote sensitive, I feel, like, mm. worry, and fear. And... Um, and I, when I put I feel, I left it blank. Like I feel a lot. I feel I feel sometimes more things than I really want to feel. I, I I try and describe this idea that you know I helped have raised my siblings and like I was like the mm -hmm. man of the house at seven years old. So I was always kind of like air traffic control. Like when my mom came home from work, I would like I could tell like when the way she got out of her car. I could always know she had a, we had a noisy car, so I could always know when she was on her way home. I look out the window. I could tell the way she grabbed her stuff out of the car, whether it was going to be a good evening or kind of a rough evening. Wow. And I was okay. always kind of like, everybody get down here. Like, you know, it was just like me trying to like scaffold the house to be, to be okay. Mm. And I think that I was always having to pick up on her feelings to know how we were going to do as a family, because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, when she's not there, I'm in charge. So I got to like channel the wellness of the home, you know, um, yeah. and things I didn't really want to have to do. Like, I, I don't want to have to be thinking about that. So I want to just, we went to a, like a family party. I didn't get to go and just play with my cousins. I had to go and take care of my siblings and make sure everybody was okay. Mm. Like, like that was responsibility. It wasn't like we get there and everyone gets to go out and play. No, Ashanti got to go and make sure the littlest one gets food, gets fed, that he doesn't get hurt, that he blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Everyone else is having fun, and I'm like, I'm like head on a swivel, trying to make sure that no one gets gets damaged, you know? Yeah. And uh, and my sister, uh, huh. yeah, came up. My sister on um, wow, this came out of nowhere. Um, on Father's Day, she wrote me a text, and she was like. My sister, I love my sister. I'm the oldest, and it's my sister, then it's my brother. She's a superstar, like HR manager, director. She's got two little beautiful boys, my two nephews. I don't have any kids. And um, like, I think I want them, but I'm also, I know how much work it is. Like, I don't think of babies as being exciting. <laughs> I think of babies as being a lot of work, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I, I was raising kids as a kid, you know? like. And so I think yeah. of like, uh, we're, we're, 
when I'm so proud of her, when I see it just hang up with my nephews, like I get to be uncle and I get to play and I get to just be silly. And um, she like tells my nephews, stop playing around. I'm like, hey, I'm in charge right here. You you back off, right? Um, but she wrote me a message on Father's Day and she was like, um, thank you for sacrificing. You know, wow. she said, I, I, didn't, I didn't like you a lot growing up, you know? <laughs> But I'm, <laughs> but I'm really thankful for you, you know. And I, I was on, I was on her, right? Because I grew up in the, I mean, I knew this city. I knew what the boys in my city would mm-hmm. tell her, and I didn't want her to be looking for love from some other boys out there, knowing that they were looking for something in return. Like, so I was on her a lot, you know. But so thankful mm-hmm. for her, you know. And so I think that about that, I think about like, I deep down, I've always wanted to be a father. Mm-hmm. I think more so just on the, on my family tree. After my name is right there, it's it's gone. Yeah, and I feel that. I feel that sometimes. Like, but I know that it's not it's not it's not fair to any child or any woman to like be like I want to make a baby just for the, to add this on this family tree if I'm not really willing to do all the hard work. Yeah, and yeah, and so I think I feel sometimes resentful that I didn't get to just enjoy being a kid so I could enjoy one day being a father as opposed to being a father as a kid. And so, uh, but I'm, but I'm just, I feel that. So that's been a, a word that's been resonating with me a lot lately. So can, can yeah, I, thank you. For, can I reflect something back to you please. that I've heard two or three times now? Yeah. You've said, uh, sometimes I feel more than I should. And I'm, I'm wondering like, Oh, where's that, where's that value judgment come from? Is, yeah. is it that as a kid, you had to like, you had to hold back your feelings because you like you were playing, uh, you know, assistant dad to everyone mm-hmm. and now you're still carrying that or what do you think that is? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I, when I, I think the way I've described you late, lately and I just actually just realized it. Um, I was talking to a group of educators in L.A. and I talked about like, I feel everything mm-hmm. like so when like, you know, if, if everyone if I remember on Instagram and they have the little eyeball and it's like, are you sure you want to see this? I read the caption to figure out what it's about to be, because when I watch images, my I feel it like I can mm. see two people in the art in the parking lot, like way over there having an argument. I feel it like I see it. I can feel the energy. So I think I've like I pick up on energy really quickly. Right. So mm. because I was raised by my mom, like I got good at that. So when I was in a classroom in school, I could tell when I was like getting on the teacher's nerves and it was a little bit too much, right? I'm okay getting on your nerves. I'll get on your nerves. But if I get to the place where I'm like about to make you angry, I'm like, oh boy, this is this is getting too far. So I would like, so I wouldn't know when to stop. My, some of my friends wouldn't pick up. I'm like, stop it, knock it, knock it, knock it off. I'm done, right? Because I knew when I was going over the line. So when I say I feel everything, like, like I can't imagine for kids who are big feelers, what social media is doing to them today, right? Here, here's yeah. in, one, in one way like this. I, when I see something tragic happening, like our kids are watching, like it's one thing to be watching a movie and be watching people getting kind of, you know, killed or slaughtered on a movie, right? I think some some parts of your brain was like, oh, that was entertainment, even though you saw, you're seeing some graphic things. But when we're watching this on social media now, like they're watching literal people dying I, I there's sometimes when i'm like 
oh my God. And so when I feel it there, then I'm thinking about all the kids who are watching this, who are, what are they feeling? So when I say I feel so much, sometimes I don't want to feel all these things. I don't just feel it for myself. I feel it for our community. I feel it for our world. I feel it for our children. I feel it. And sometimes I wish I could just turn some of those feelings off. You know, I know it makes, I know it's who I am. I, I don't, maybe I don't really want to turn them off, but sometimes they just get heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, you know, I, I, I said earlier, I can't remember if it was before we were recording where I think I am, I'm realizing that I, I do also have a lot of feelings and I'm sensitive. Yeah. And one thing that I've realized is as, you know, the world gets more and more divided and there's screaming and there's anger. Um, on the one hand, you know, I feel, we'll say, I feel invited by some of my friends to join the screaming and I don't agree with everything that's going on out there. So, you know, I could I could get into the screaming, but my overwhelming feeling is actually profound sadness because what I feel from all that screaming is actually people feeling unseen and unheard and alone. Yeah. And that is I that feels just like crushingly sad to me. Out of doubt, and I and I and I feel, I feel as a, as a former teacher, I would see students who would come to class, who almost would have turned feelings off. Like when I say turn them off, is like, hey, how you doing this morning? Nothing. All right, okay, mm. all right, well, go ahead. You know, um, hey, go ahead and take out your work, and whether it's anger or not, or feeling anything, you would just see this like disconnectedness from just being in their own body and and i would say or sometimes i have a kid show anger so great you're showing anger okay i'm like well, why are you yelling at me like i'm not your enemy i'm not i only asked you to take out your book like why why are you now and because they have a disconnected more parts of their emotions they only have a reserve for a few left so if in our community weakness and sadness and fear and worry and doubt are not allowed, but anger is allowed. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you can't be like, Mr. Branch, leave me alone. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. You gotta be mm. like, stop bothering me. So you gotta like yeah. lash out with anger because anger is respected. Being overwhelmed is not respected. Being worried or afraid or sad or whatever other emotion is not respected. But if I'm angry, people will be like, oh, he's, he's scary. We better leave him alone, right? Even though that's mm. fear, not necessarily respect, but in some communities, fear looks like respect or respect yeah. looks like fear or feels like fear. And so I think that that kind of thing where I'm just like, okay, it's a lot, there's a lot to, to, to support the young people as we're helping them find words for how they feel. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you, how are you feeling? We had, we had a, we just had a, we just came back from Sacramento. Um, we did a little ceremony with some of the young people, just a you know, deep conversation. And one, one of the boys was talking about losing a pet. And wow. another boy in the circle started laughing. At first he was laughing kind of inside. He was like, keeping, he was doing his best to keep it in, but he was laughing. And I was like, do I say something now? Do I wait? You know, I'm trying to test the water. And then that laugh started spreading and I stopped everything. And inside, my heart was breaking for that kid who was sharing something personal and mm-hmm. real. And these boys who were supposed to be a part of the circle with him started laughing. And I was also angry. So I was feeling sad for him and anger. And you know what? I felt, I found myself wanting to do, 
is just focus on the anger. Hmm. Like I was like, I was upset with these boys for doing this. And I realized I said, I had to tell them, I said, you know what, right now, actually, I'm, I'm, more, I'm actually more sad than I am anger, but, but I'm having a hard time really expressing this anger, this sadness. Yeah. Anger is usually easier for me to express. But I'm really sad that you all disrespected him like that, you know? And I think trying to help my own self learn how to navigate and talk about it hopefully helps them learn how to navigate and talk about it better because it's, sometimes it's confusing. Like, I felt my heart felt for that boy who was heart was breaking. And so anger was coming out. But deep yeah. down, I was feeling overwhelming sadness for him and that he was he was being vulnerable and it wasn't not being respected, you know? Yeah. I, it, it makes me think like, you know, as a as a kid, if I were in a group of boys and I'm observing someone feeling deep grief. Yeah. And now you ask me like, okay, how do you show up now? I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I like maybe I join in the laughter too because I don't want to be seen as soft. Yeah. Maybe I join in the laughter because if I don't, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Exactly. That's amazing. That's, that's powerful right there. And, and you're right. I think after, after we talked about it, we had to talk about it because it was already out. You know, some of them didn't know how to navigate hearing one of their peers talk about feeling sad. And now, now, now knowing how to, what do I do with this emotion? What do I do with this emotion that I'm trying to protect myself from feeling or that I've never been allowed to feel? And I think that, what I, and these are boys who are like 13, 14 years old, right? I mean, imagine if you become an adult where you see something that, sh- that you know, just in a, could, should, it's hard to say should create some emotion, but has a, a situation that creates some, for most empathetic people would be like, there's some empathy there. What if you mm-hmm. didn't find empathy for someone? What if you were like, eh, whatever, so what? I don't care. And that's, that's totally right. You have the right to, everyone has a right to be how we are, but just knowing that sometimes it's been, because we, we've been shutting it off so long that we have no room to even share it with others, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the shutting it off, it, it's kind of like uh, I could approach it two ways. If it's if I'm, I'm depleted or I can't be with you on this, but I recognize the feeling with you, I can draw a boundary in a more healthy way. Yeah. Or I can do what's most more socially acceptable, which is to say like, nah, it's not that big a deal. You know, like suck it up. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you, why are you tripping? Why are you tripping yeah. about that? It, it, it's just it's just nothing but a little a little animal. So what? Yeah. Right. And I think that's what happens in schools. That's what happens when I hear from bullies when I was an administrator. Well, I was just trying to make him tough. Mm. Like, wait, you felt like it was your responsibility to make this kid tough? Like, why isn't he tough already? Why is tough the, the way you think tough should look? Mm. And those kind of things that I've heard young people say, you know it was passed down from somebody else because they're only 12 or, you know, I was a middle school administrator. Who'd you learn? You're only you're only 13 years old. You're 12 years old. Where did you learn that from? In the last 12 years, you've learned that it's your job to make other people tough, and that means I'm gonna push on them, pressure on them, punch on them. That's how you do it. And I'm like, wow, where'd that come from? You know? Hmm. And it happens happens so often. It happens so often. Hmm. I, think, I think we only got one word into your <laughs> back of your mask. <laughs> well, I think I think I just summed them all up. Uh, I, them, I, I think that was the the one I decided to spend. I'll, I'll go with the when I talk about I feel like I think what was it worry and mm. fear sensitive is also one. I think 
I mean, I think that it's all connected, right? I think the the fear, I, I'll, I'll talk about fear because this is about leadership right now because I think it's one that I'm really working a lot on myself, like really trying to grow. Um, I think, and when you talked about like, like the idea of feeling resentful, like when I think about leadership, like, like the leader has to take on all the stuff, right? Ultimately, the ultimate responsibility, like you as a leader have to hold it, carry it. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes I wonder, I mean, in the, in the fear, the worry, the like self-doubt, it, it's, just, it's like a lot of feelings in there. But I'm, my, my, my focus is always trying to just be like focused, serious, dedicated, get it done. Don't worry about the stuff back there. But when I get a chance to kind of give myself permission, I'm like, man, like, how do I make this work? How do I, I, mean, I set this big goal for ourselves as an organization, like, right? A million masks. I said it for myself personally, but also I'm, I'm not in it just telling people to do stuff. I'm in it. Um, and I'm like, how are we going to do this? How? And I know that part of my job is just to be a carrier of the message. And part of my work is also to be a person who is um, sh- sharing the vision with others. Because I know it's not going to be me who does it all. It's engaging other people in the process so that we so so we create literally a movement. Mm-hmm. And I think that only recently did I, I think the worry has been um, diminishing a little bit because I've been like, oh, maybe my job was never to do it all. My job was to, I was given the vision, right? Mm-hmm. And my job is to find other people who also can buy into that vision to then do the work, right? But I didn't, yeah. I didn't start this going to some leadership class. I started this as a teacher helping some kids pass algebra. And so I kind of am learning on the job training, right? So it's kind of like, um, but you know, recently I got a coach and that's been really helpful. Like, like just learn, just learning some things I had never even thought of. Just, I think it's like all those things are kind of wrapped into this mask that, you know, leadership requires us to wear. Right. And yeah. I think, yeah. You know, I've, I, uh, I started reading this book called, it's by a, a woman named Susan Beaumont. And I think it's oh. called something like how to lead when you don't know where you're going. And <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a, a more intriguing title where I'm like, I think I need that now. And, uh, you know, to, to anyone from my team listening, I'm like, I kind of know where I'm going. It's like, don't lose confidence in me. But who she consults with are large churches where mm. their congregation is diminishing and mm. you need a certain type of leadership to to shepherd them out of the, you know, their old identity of like, I'm sorry, like that, that phase of our, our existence is over. Yeah. We're going to paint a uh, future vision, things in between they're murky and I need to keep this organization together in between. And, um, I feel like that, like on, you know, on any given day I can feel like that. But one of the things that I read in there that, I don't know if it applies to my work, but it's something I hadn't engaged with because I didn't want to think about it was for her, she tells church leaders, and you need to accept that even if you lay out the vision, you might not be the leader to take the organization all the way there. And, if, and you know, if, if at the end of the day they're serving God, I think maybe that's a, an easier thing for them to get their head around because like, you know, mm. God is infinite, you know, of course like this mission will outlive me. Yeah. Um, in my work, 
and you know our our organization's vision is to create a culture of well-being that inspires people around the world to take care of themselves and each other yeah and to wrestle with could i walk away not being able to point to something or tell a narrative that i 100% authentically believe saying i think we took some major steps down the road on that yeah uh I don't know how I'd feel about that. Uh, I think it's really beautiful the way you described that. And even uh, um, thinking about that book, how there's a um, uh, there's an old Quaker educator teacher. His name is um, Paul, uh, Parker Palmer. Palmer Par- Parker Palmer, and he talked about this. I the book was called Courage to Teach, right? And his his concept was the critical gap. And he says that uh, we're asked to stand in the critical gap. And the gap is between where we are right now and where we want to be. So if I'm here right now where I am and here's where I want to be, we're not asked to stay where we are right now. We're asked to start taking a step in the gap between where we are now and where I want to be. And what it allows us to kind of begin doing, as, as for me as a leader, it really was something that resonates with me. It's like, okay, here's where kind of where we are, but I'm not stuck there. Because if you believe you're stuck there, then it's almost impossible to get across the the, the gap. Hmm. If you believe that I'm stuck where I am right now, but as opposed to like, here is the gap. Here, there's a gap between where I am now and where I want to be. Five years from now, ten years from now, organizationally, personally, health-wise, all these ways. But I'm not stuck where I am right now. What step can I take? What's one step I can take? And so, so I think that what what you talked about is like, as I'm in a journey to where I'm going to be, I may not be I me mean, as ever forward. I may not be here when we achieve the million masks. I may not be here when we achieve eliminating the dropout rate. I may not be here, but I would have, on my journey, kept taking steps towards it Hmm. and when it's my time to go whenever that may be that i i leave here knowing that i gave my best i didn't i didn't get stuck the systems would tell you to don't do it the systems of nonprofit industrial complex that i live that i work in would be like if you don't have a big you don't have big money you don't have big resources you can't really do much that's that's the way they would have you believe and i've decided that i'm not going to be stuck there I'm not going to be at the mercy of anybody's checks. I'm not going to be at the mercy of anybody's support that I'm going to keep following the vision that I've been given. And I'm going to keep taking steps in that gap. And some days I, I feel that. Some days I feel like, am I, am I enough? Am I, am I the person who should be doing this? And I'm not, a, I'm not over. I'm not overthinking that I should, that I have to be. I know that I'm on this mission with whoever is going to help lead it. Right. Cause I got a lot to learn still, but, but I'm 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 not until I, I'm not going to wait around for somebody to come and take over this, right? I'm not going to wait for the mm-hmm. enough money to hire a big team. I'm not waiting for any of that. Um, and I think that that's I don't know maybe it's a, a fault, but I think um I, I can't stop. I can't you know there's too many kids every t- every time one person makes yeah. a mask, that's one more person who I think that I've been I've seen they wouldn't let themselves be seen, they wouldn't let themselves be heard. And as one more person who doesn't feel as lonely as alone, right? Yeah. If 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 we were in person, I would high five you right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, a, a, an, another thing that I I use for my my life as a uh, 
competitive power lifter where, you know, once, you know, I won my first national championship and then started competing at the world level, you know, you, you start getting these questions about like, well, how'd you do that? And then you kind of have to think it through and you're like, was there any magic? And the thing I can boil it down to is like, well, I went in my garage like for a few hours a week, every week, and I just kept doing squats and they hurt and I just kept doing them. And then one day I looked up and I was the best in the U.S. at that. So I kept doing squats and then uh, then I got better and better. And so uh, sometimes I just tell my team like, yeah, I, I don't know when we'll get there, but we have to just keep doing the reps. Just do the reps. That's it. That's it. Do the reps. I that, that, that's that man. Yeah. Do the reps. There it is. And that's what we yep. talk about, young men. We're gonna keep doing the reps. What are you feeling today? I don't know. We'll try. What are you feeling? Find a find a word. Find a word to name what you're feeling. Right. Do the reps of like mm -hmm. asking people how they're doing. How how are you doing? And when they say fine, uh, anything more behind that fine? Because fine is a fine. If you're fine, great. But what if fine is just a cover up word, right? Yeah. For the reps, right? The reps of being curious about people more mm -hmm. than just what you see on the outside, you know? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Man, man. You know, I, I first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for you making time for this conversation. I, I ultimately believe that um, I want to I hope this won't be our last conversation. I hope that me too. This me will be too. just the just the start of more conversations like this and maybe more people who hear your message and hear this message, hear this conversation and say, you know, what? I want to talk about I'm, I'm willing to talk about my mass, too, you know. And we know that everyone isn't. Everyone isn't. And that's okay because that's what we created. The tool is anonymous. The People can go and make their mask anonymously. But thank you for being willing to share your mask here publicly with us. Absolutely. Th thank you for creating the space. I think uh, this is this is deeper and more open than I've gone <laughs> on a public forum. Uh, maybe, maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's part of my work. So uh, I really appreciate it. Well, I, is there anything else you want to let folks know or any, um, we'll, we'll put your link to your, um, your, your LinkedIn uh, so mm -hmm. they can see that first thing that we talked about, but is there anything you want to say to folks before we close up here? I just want to give you that space. I think the, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, for kindred spirits right now, where if I looked at who is, trying to model vulnerability, who's trying to show up differently. There's, there's so much good work in destigmatizing mental health, but I think the, you know, those of us who are straight Asian American male leaders like me, we've been riding on the coattails. If, if I look at who's stepping up and talking about this, it's, um, people from the LGBT community, other people of color, people, um, women in tech, you know, it's pretty much like so many other segments of people, but us Asian male leaders in tech. And I know there's a pull for more of us to show up this way because you're sending me DMs on LinkedIn yeah. <laughs> and you're letting me know. So I have data to validate this. So um, I'm just going to put out the call. Uh, 
if this is something you want to help support, I, I don't have a particular ask for what I would ask you to do other than come talk to me because I'm just looking for partners. I'm looking to, to build a movement like you are um, because I think we can do so much more. You can do it. And anything we can do in Ever Forward to help that, if the mask activity, the tool helps to open those conversations up, however we can serve in that way. Oh, I'm going to show I'm going to show my team the mask activity and they're awesome. going to say not right now, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep tugging on them. <laughs> well, they, we have to do it's a digital version, right? So they can actually do it digitally. They're all anonymous. Right. And then mm -hmm. have, a, have a reflection conversation afterwards, you know? Yes. So and I think you and I, 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 I saw your last post and I was like, I would love to chat about that because I think it's a tool that companies can use in an anonymous way, but in real time, get some feedback about what was happening behind these masks of people that are in our spaces that we often would never know, you know? So however it's, I can... A, yeah, it, it's a really great prompt of like, it, it helps you kind of start to pour out what might be in there. Yeah. And I'll send that link to you so you have that as well. And folks, if you want to make a mask, you can do that at millionmask.org anonymously. You know, uh, Newton and I shared ours publicly here, but you can, you don't need to share it publicly. But maybe you can tell one person about it. Tell somebody about this conversation. And uh, we look forward to you also being a part of the movement as well. Thank you, folks. Thank, Newton, thank you for being a part of this conversation. I so thank appreciate you, thank you, you, man. Thank you. thank you for your time. And um, we look forward to seeing you again, brother. Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode milestone and begin the work to the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. That's November 11th of 2022. There's a math problem in there. You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care. and We'll see you soon.